So this morning, now we're going to turn to our scripture. Over these last two weeks, we have been attending to stories from the beginning of the book that is called The Acts of the Apostles. Two weeks ago, we heard the story of uh, Jesus' ascension into heaven, and he told his disciples, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, remember we were in the red zone, and uh, we celebrated the coming of that Holy Spirit. What Peter announced on that uh, day of Pentecost was that what had come was what was promised by Jesus and actually promised by the uh, prophet Joel that the Holy Spirit would come and renew the people. So this morning, now we hear what happened after that Holy Spirit had come, what happened with these early believers. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter Uh, 2, verses 37 through 47. Um, Verse verse that leads up to this is this. This is Peter's words. Let, therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him Jesus, both Lord and Messiah, this one whom you crucified. Now, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed Peter's message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, open us up. Literally break open our hearts and our heads that we might receive the Holy Spirit, that we might find ourselves both drawn together as a church and open to all around us. Holy Spirit, dwell with us and move in us. Amen. So that word, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now that's the church, right? That's what we're told. Um, We're told that they sold and distributed. They sold what they had and they distributed so that no one was in need. 
day by day in the temple and at home. They praised God and had the goodwill of all the people. So perfect. The story goes on in Acts chapter 4, and I want to read just a few verses from that because it continues to tell us about how this wonderful early church was. We hear in Acts chapter 4, now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but they had everything in common. It goes on to say that there was great power in which they uh, taught and preached about the resurrection of Jesus. It goes on to tell that there was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds to what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to any who were in need. Perfect, right? The perfect church. But this so-called perfect church was filled with people who were far from perfect, much like us. For the truth is then and now that becoming a Christian, right, does not make us perfect people. This early church actually struggled with the very same things we struggle with. They struggled with fear. They struggled with grief and greed and gossip and unhealthy behaviors of so many kinds. Just after that part, I read you about um, the people, if they had extra, they, they sold their land and they gave the proceeds to the apostles to be shared with those in need. Well, Just a few verses after that, we hear the story of this couple. It is worth your read, by the way. It's in chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, who lied about how much they sold their property for and only gave a part of it back to the apostles' work while saying this was the whole thing. And you've got to read the story because what happened to them? They were struck down dead. That's the morality tale for you. Um... The apostles, they were persecuted. Stephen is stoned to death while Saul, who we will come to know as Paul, watched. That is what we're told in scripture. That Paul, the one who writes these um, incredible letters to the church in Corinth and Ephesus and all these places. The, the one who becomes the great missionary of Christianity before he was converted... He stood and watched the stoning to death of Stephen. Talk about having some problems. Paul then later goes on to write to these early churches and he covers all kinds of things that they're having issues with. All kinds of conflict about who to follow, what leaders to pay attention to, what kind of ways should we live together as the body of Christ. And one of their main concerns was, and we are hearing already just a little bit of this in the beginning of Acts. One of their main concerns was, who can be in the church? Who did Christ, more significantly, who did Christ come to save? Now the pervasive view of the first disciples and the early believers was that Jesus came for the people of Israel. He came to restore the kingdom of David. He came as the Messiah, the promised one from what we call the Old Testament. 
Jesus the Messiah, life, death, resurrection, was for the Jewish people. That is what they believed. And so then how could Gentiles, hello, all of us, how then could Gentiles, non-Jews, be saved? They were always trying to process how could this even be if Jesus came, if the Messiah came just for them. Well, one of the early, one of the earliest uh, solutions to this was, oh, we know. This is what needs to happen. For someone to be saved, Gentiles to be saved, non-Jews to be saved, they need to become Jews first. This is how it'll all work out. Ah, but God had another plan, and in fact, that other plan we're going to hear about in a couple weeks when we hear the story of the vision that came to Peter. Church people, like me, maybe like you, have been struggling with this same question for centuries. Must people become like us to be saved? To be included in the body of Christ? These struggles of the early church were on full display a week and a half ago as clergy and lay delegates from western Pennsylvania gathered in Erie for what is called in the United Methodist Church Annual Conference. Very brief uh, outline of how we as United Methodists uh, organize ourselves. Our local churches are the basic bodies that start. We're, we are... Um, you, you, see, you see local churches everywhere. But we're not independent and we're not just congregational. We are connected to what's called districts. And in our district, uh, we are the Erie Meadville District, which states where we are. But we're part of a broader conference that's called Western Pennsylvania Conference. And that goes from the New York border to the West Virginia border to the Ohio border over towards a little past Johnstown. Once a year, delegates from this body called uh, Western Pennsylvania Conference uh, meet. And there will be a lay delegate and clergy delegates from every church. And we decide on polity and organizational matters for the coming year. Every four years, there is such a thing as called General Conference. And this is a global gathering, and if you at all have had the opportunity to follow um, United Methodist News over the past few years, um, you might already know that what happened in 2020 due to the pandemic, our general conference was postponed. It has been postponed again, and now that general body that makes the final decision for the denomination doesn't meet until 2024. We need... Uh, few sessions outside of worship to talk about what this ultimately will mean for all of us. It could be said there's a lot about the specifics, but this morning in worship and in light of our scripture, I just want to make one connection from what I experienced at annual conference to this word from the book of Acts. I'm not sure the number that was gathered Somewhere between 800 and 1,200 is a usual gathering. I think it was closer to the smaller number this year. 
For the first time, we gathered at the Bayfront Convention Center in Erie, a beautiful sunny day. It was a week and a half ago, there was light streaming in from these windows. But we left that space and we went into a larger plenary room that was darker, less lit. Somehow, that unfortunately for me felt like a bigger truth. There were delegates, lay and clergy. Geographically, of course, we're all from uh, Western Pennsylvania. I don't know, I don't know about the exact statistics. This is just my observation. But it appeared that we were pretty much equal related to uh, men and women. Um, pretty much equal as we're required to be lay and clergy. But here's the thing. Not surprisingly, the vast number of delegates, literally, the vast number of delegates that are lay of retirement age. They're older persons like, like you, like me, and many of you. Why? Because if you are uh, actively working in employment, what we're asking someone to do, because of the way we're structured this, is to take two days of vacation to be at... Uh, annual conference if you're a lay delegate. This year, because it was so early, if you were a teacher, you would not be available to go. It was quite unfortunate, actually, just the scheduling itself sets itself up for who is able to be there. Um, for many, because it's now in Erie, there was over a three-hour drive and people had to stay in hotels, right? So this also gives you a sense of who is able to be a voice and a vote in this group. You're kind of narrowing it down. The body of delegates, lay and clergy, is almost entirely white. There are a handful of Korean American clergy. There are a handful of African American clergy. There are very, very few lay delegates of color. That also defines who's making the decisions. While we spent an inordinate, I can't even, this word doesn't even completely say it, but I'll just leave it at that. We spent an inordinate time, amount of time discussing whether the word non-binary should even be included in our statistical reporting. Probably an hour talking about this. We spent an inordinate amount of time talking about what the church, our annual conference, wants to say about transgender athletes. While at this time only one person in this whole gathering felt it safe to go to the mic and identify themselves as non-binary. I had two clergy tell me they feared repercussions if they even wore a rainbow ribbon. I had other clergy and lay. We had conversations amongst ourselves about the LGBTQ persons in our lives who have ministered to us, who have been witnesses of faith and justice, who preached in our pulpits, who cared for our people, but we could not acknowledge them in that setting, in a public setting, many of us in private. There were speeches from the floor and vote after vote, some of them heart-wrenching to tell you the truth that brought me to tears. My concern as we connect this back to scripture is what happened in that broader body was this. 
we were very concerned about ourselves. Who could be saved? Who would be in the United Methodist Church? How broad and wide and beautiful is God's creation? And yet we struggled to even acknowledge those outside our gathering. There was not a word other than from the bishop spoken about gun violence. There was not a word spoken other than in prayer about the war in Ukraine. There was not one word spoken about what actually is affecting our lives right now economically, racially, other ways, young families struggling. We were a body, unfortunately and painfully focused on ourselves. There is this I am going to get to a hopeful moment here. Just, <laughs> just hang with me. Just hang with me through the rough, through the rough stuff. Um, if you want another piece of scripture to me that, again, with great sorrow, spoke to me at annual conference, in Matthew 23, in the entire chapter, if you have a Bible that's written in red, Jesus is denouncing scribes and Pharisees, church leaders, myself. And he says over and over again, woe to you. Woe to you. And in the, in, the in the one part that really hit me, when Jesus says in um, Matthew 23, 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. Me and those gathered. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, which are justice and mercy and faith. It is these that you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. That's what it felt like to me. We have so much wonder in this denomination. So much goodness in this very church where you and I are present this morning and those who join us from home. I consider all of us part of the body of Christ known as stone. And what we have said, and I believe we are cut to the heart. That is what uh, we hear in the beginning is that the disciples and the um, new believers were cut to the heart. We have claimed here at Stone, this is our mission statement. Compelled by God's love. That's always it, right? We don't do this on our own. Compelled by God's love, Stone United Methodist Church is an inclusive community of faith, meeting people where they're at, meeting people where they're at, connecting them to Christ and to one another, and helping them live as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's what we're living into here. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about who we are as a community of faith. I don't know what's going to happen in the denomination. I don't know what our uh, annual conference will look like in a few years. But I know what we can look like. We can look like a body that's alive, full of the Holy Spirit, cut to the, cut to the heart, welcoming those outside of this body. Come on in. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Amen. Amen.